Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Good stuff. No longer slaves. So we're kicking off this new series, No Longer Slaves, and um, I'm excited to, to kick this off with us. And throughout all or in all of our lives, there would probably be an area where we're struggling or where we're feeling like we, we're captives in some state. Now, why does it mean to be a, a slave? The state of being enslaved takes different shapes and forms. Now, our reference to slavery as, as taking, or we've got a specific picture generally when we think slavery, when we're thinking imprisonment. And a lot of that, that those pictures come from movies and books, and, and it's awesome. Um, but I just want to touch on some characteristics of slavery, and they go beyond what we've seen in movies and books. So the, some of the characteristics of slavery is limitations of movement coming and going. So we see that within slavery. There's limitations, imprisonment, limitations of movement coming or going, limitations on, on life decisions, whether you get to marry someone, whether you get to have children or not. And also in, a, in another sense, it's basically being owned or being the property of another. And obviously being the property of another, that owner dictates for you where you go, where you sleep, when you sleep, when you eat, when you don't eat, etc., etc. A slave is to perform some kind of work also for or to its owner. Now, on the contrary, let's look at what does it mean to be a son? characteristics of sonship and when I say sonship it's a general term it's a it's a unisex term throughout the Bible when it talks about sonship and uh, if the ladies don't like that then uh, take uh, take take to heart that the guys are called brides so um, so don't be upset we also called I'm a I'm the bride of Christ so I'm not offended by that so you shouldn't be offended um, by being called a son either Okay, so sonship, characteristics of sonship, it's freedom. It's on the contrary, it's the opposite. Freedom to come and go as you please. Freedom on life decisions, marriage, having children, having ownership in God's kingdom business. That's powerful. Having ownership. God isn't just calling you to kind of do a task, but He's inviting you to be part of the family business. Being part of a family, this is also one of the characteristics and blessings of sonships. Being part of a family where we can add value and receive ministry from one another. Now, in modern day society, slavery is, is quite unknown. It's not as abrupt. It's not so, so much in your face. It's not, it hasn't taken the form of shackles, so to speak, in the literal sense. But in modern day slavery, a lot of us are, are actually in shackles. A lot of us are, are enslaved by something. And ultimately, all slavery is rooted in not knowing who we are. And whose we are. All forms of slavery, every form of slavery, imprisonment that you are currently experiencing is rooted in you not knowing who you are and whose you are. And that's no condemnation for you. I'm going to share with you this morning a little bit, and throughout this series, we're going to look at, and I'm trusting that every one of us is going to experience breakthrough in various areas where we've been enslaved. Because if we identify what is the root problem of, 
of what I'm enslaved by right now, if I identify what that root problem is, I can deal with it. And then I can experience the freedom that God intends for me, right? So don't be condemned if you identify an area of your life where you've experienced slavery, where you've experienced being enslaved, being an owner of something, having something dictate and determine your coming and going, so to speak. Don't be condemned, don't feel condemned, but allow the Spirit of God to bring about the, libera the liberation that He that is intended to bring. Throughout the series, we're going to come to identify, like I said, areas of slavery that we've maybe never even realized and it's been holding us back. Some things might come up in your heart throughout this series that you've never realized or taken note of. And it's not to be sin conscious, it's not to be problem conscious, but it's good to identify because oftentimes those subconscious things, there's a scripture in Hebrews Hebrews 12, verse 2, and the Passion Translation specifically says this. Um, the King James says, uh, Let go of every weight and the sin that does so easily ensnare us and prevents us from running our race. The Passion Translation talks about one of those components and says, Pull out or remove the arrows that has pierced your back. Some of you are running this race and you've got arrows in your back. And I don't know if you ever... ever of you ever had like a, a splint in their, in, their, in their hand or maybe a thorn in their foot, like you're going to stop and take that out, right? Because it's an irritation. It's preventing you from enjoying what you are supposed to do. And so in your personal life, there might be something, some arrows in your back that, that you're going to identify and we're going to uproot them so that you can experience the freedom that Jesus purchased for you. Amen. So I thank you, Father, right now as we open up our hearts to this word, to this series, we can experience just that freedom, the freedom that Jesus Christ came to purchase for us, made available to us. And as we identify and, and come to realize the areas of, of enslavery that we've kind of uh, fallen into or subscribed to even, as we identify these things, we can just allow you to come in. And break off shackles, break open prison doors, and show us the way to walk out and walk in complete freedom and victory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to kick off part one with what did, real, what did Jesus really do for us? Realizing what Jesus did for us. Because largely that is the problem with the Christian church, not realizing what Jesus did for us. We need to know what Jesus did for us so that we can know what He didn't do for us. Right? It's like I've shared this example before. It's coming to know the original, the blueprint. When you're talking about money, it's coming to know the actual blueprint, the, the original note, so well that when you come in contact with a counterfeit, you realize this is a counterfeit. You realize this is not Jesus. So we're going to come to know Jesus throughout this series and realizing this morning specifically, what did Jesus do for us? So that we can know what He didn't do for us too. If we don't know this, then we'll miss out or hold on to things that we're not supposed to and that will enslave us. Right? Holding on to things that, that isn't for us, so to speak. And uh, I'm not going to share any examples right now. As I'm, as I'm going to share the word with you and just share generally with you guys this morning, 
I trust that the Holy Spirit will, will remind you or, or convict you of some of these things that you might be holding on to. And remember, conviction is different to condemnation. It's two very different words. The devil is the father of lies and the accuser of the brethren. And some of you are thinking, I've got devilish friends accusing me of different things. That's the work of the devil. That's maybe a word for someone. Don't do the work of the devil. Do the co-working of the Holy Spirit. What is his ministry? Conviction. John 16 says that he is there to convict us of righteousness. Convicting us of sonship, who we are in Christ. That is what we are supposed to do as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters. Not calling out each other's wrongs in a condemning way. At times there might be a calling out of, but the calling out of is not to put down, but it's to lift up out of. So there's a big difference. Conviction lifts us up to a higher state. Condemnation puts us down. And so as you identify some of these areas in your life, if you experience a putting down, reject those thoughts and those feelings, and ask God, Father, enable me to see this in the correct way so that I can be lifted up out of this in slavery. James chapter 4. Let's go to James 4 verse 7. It says, Submit yourselves, therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So just continually, um, I just want to labor this point that we need to understand who, who and what are we receiving from and who and what are we rejecting and not holding to. Man, I shared, um, I've had an awesome engagement with someone recently and uh, they shared a video on Instagram and they shared a few thoughts there and then I took the opportunity to kind of just challenge them on some of the thoughts that they shared. Not knowing and not thinking what I'm signing up for. <laughs> and it was awesome because they sent me basically like a four or five page um, essay, uh, um, almost master's uh, assignment of why they said what they said. And so now because I've opened up the can of worms, I now have to kind of uh, deal with it. And it's an, it was an opportunity for me to go and like do some homework now and get into this. And uh, amazing ministry came from that. But the point is this, James 4 verse 7. If we don't know the will of God, if we don't know what God is, what He's, did for, what he's done for us, then we're going to hold to things and we're going to believe certain things. And at, th at times we're going to actually submit to the devil. But James says submit to God. And if you know what God's will is, what He's accomplished for us, what Jesus has done for us, I can submit to that. I can come under that. And I can resist the devil. I can go against actively. Resist means to actively fight against something. So if I don't know what, what the devil's uh, uh, um, tactics are and what he's trying to accomplish in my life, then I can't resist that. And so in this whole uh, kind of engagement and ministry with them, one of the things that, that they unfortunately believe is that sometimes God does cause sickness over our lives. To teach us something or for us to grow from that. Now if God sometimes does that, when do we know what, when those sometimes are? Because now in the Bible does it say, okay cool, 30% of your life you're going to be sick, 70% of the time you're going to be well. Let's do the math. Okay, how's it 
going to work out. I get cool, I'm now 25%, so I can receive 5 more percent of sickness, and then I'm going to enjoy. You guys get the logic with this. So either God is good and He's paid for us to walk in freedom and He's enabled and empowered us to resist sickness, or He hasn't. So we need to know clearly, black and white, what is God, what is the devil, what has Jesus accomplished for us, what has He not accomplished for us. So we can submit to God and resist the devil so that he can flee. Proverbs 13, 12. Here's another side of the coin. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. Hoping and wishing for something that Jesus already did or what he didn't do will make your heart sick. Hope deferred, hope prolonged, that doesn't come to pass. It's going to make your heart sick. Unhealthy expectations will make your heart sick. Heart or soul sickness will only lead to other problems and it's all forms of slavery, bondage. So it's vitally important to know what did Jesus do, what didn't he do, so that when I place my hope on something, it is going to come to pass. Because when we're placing our hopes on things that isn't going to come to pass, it will lead to sickness and bondage. But on the other side, praise God, as the scripture says, when desire comes, it is a tree of life. And life is a picture of freedom. Freedom is found in what Jesus has accomplished for us. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now in the Old Testament, throughout Genesis to Malachi, which is classified Old Testament, uh, the New Testament writers refer that to those, uh, uh, those books and those letters as, as the Scriptures. So throughout the Scriptures, like Psalms now, for example, when we look at this Psalm, when we go to the Old, we need to understand that it is pointing to, and everything in the Bible is evolving around and, and is, is kind of running around or, or built around the picture of what Jesus came to do for us. The Bible has one message. It's the message of God's love and grace revealed and manifested through Jesus. And so when we read and study the Word, we need to always filter through cool. How does this point to Jesus? What was He kind of come and do? How does this point to the life that Jesus lived? Or when we look at the epistles after Jesus' life on earth, how is this revealing and showing us what Jesus already accomplished for us. It's vitally important for us to understand how is the Bible compiled. Otherwise, we're going to go to the Bible and read scriptures like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and go to the gym and say, okay, cool, 150 kg bench press, here we go. I can do all things through Christ. I've never bench pressed 20 kilograms, but here goes. Boom. Hospital. <laughs> We need to understand what is the, 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 the message of the Bible. So when we read here in Psalm 37 verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delighting is a picture of uh, uh, allowing your heart to become pliable in God's hands. It's a picture of, of clay being formed. When we give our hearts over to God, He plies and molds our hearts and gives us desires. 
And this is also a beautiful picture of, of the Spirit of God becoming, uh, us receiving the Spirit of God, because when we receive the Spirit of God, we receive the nature of God. The nature of God that, that it's so simple actually, and oftentimes we complicate things. When you've got the Spirit of God, you've got the will of God living inside of you. It's just often cluttered by a bunch of other things. Carnality, our emotions, our flesh, which is still very alive, right? It's not like when you got, received the Spirit of God that your, your flesh died. It would have been a lot easier when, if our flesh died. And we're just kind of like, man, there's nothing challenging me. I've got no emotions. It's not like everything is perfect. And there is a day coming where everything's going to be restored. And, and uh, we're looking forward to that day. But until then... Let's, let's, let's grow and mature into the things that God has for us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now why am I sharing this? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now this, this term short is it's beautiful. It's not like everyone has sinned, everyone's missed the mark in a sense in their actions and their performance. It's not like when Paul said like, man, I was... I was I was the Jew of the Jews. I was uh, concerning the law. I didn't fail. I was like, I was quite, I was, I was very much perfect. It's not talking about actions. It's talking about identity. Coming short of, this is a, a, an accounting term. When the books aren't measuring, there's something missing. The world is missing something. The world isn't struggling with something. The unbeliever isn't struggling with something. The believer isn't struggling with something. Now, in a sense, there's uh, three. There's two problems with a Christian. The either, and that's what we identified and I shared this morning. You either don't know what you have and who you are, or you haven't received the Spirit of God. So it's, so it's two, two, two scenarios. You either have the, the unbeliever, and this is what the Scripture is talking about. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Coming short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's the presence of God. What is the presence of God? It is the Spirit of God. So if the world has come short of the glory of God, the world is short of the Spirit of God living in man. That's what Jesus came to do, what Jesus came to accomplish. And so if we've received this thing, if we're no longer short of God's Spirit, of His presence, of His glory, that only means that we're not understanding what this means. We're lacking understanding. And now why am I sharing this? Because every person on the face of the earth, regardless of race, regardless of, of sex, regardless of age, every person is living in bondage outside of a relationship with God. Every person, it doesn't matter how free they look on the outside, they are short of something. They're short of Joy unspeakable. They're short of fulfillment, joy, satisfaction as God intended and God desired. Because remember, God is the creator of all. God formed you, created you for a specific purpose, a specific design. You cannot change your design, your purpose. As much as the manufacturer of the Formula One car designed it and created it for a specific purpose, that car cannot change its design. 
the manufacturer created that. God is not just your manufacturer in that sense, but it's obviously relational. But bear with me. For practical purposes, understand that you cannot change your design, what you were created for. You can try and subscribe to things that's not going to be beneficial for you. You can can try to get onto the rally track and think that you're going to go somewhere. But it's only going to damage you. It's only going to hurt you. And you're only going to end up with a, a rude awakening sometime in your life. The world is short of something. And if we don't fill that, that shortness, that, that lack with His Spirit, and we grow in understanding what this means for us, we're going to be found in different areas of bondage, of enslavery throughout our lives until Jesus comes back again. And obviously the intent of this series is to, to get us to wake up and smell the roses. It's funny, I had an English teacher and he loved uh, using that phrase. I don't know if it comes from somewhere, if it was just his specific phrase, but he was like, Etienne, wake up, smell the roses. It was normally when I was uh, not doing what I was supposed to do. Or <laughs> BC days, uh, before Christ. Let's go to Isaiah 60, verse 1. Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3. And so these are, we'll, we'll look at Isaiah 61 to 3, and we're going to get to the next chapter in a while. And Isaiah, is, there's, there's many amazing prophecies um, of Jesus throughout Isaiah. And it's really important, and Marcus shared this this morning, it's really important to, to, to really use the scriptures, and especially those that are also found in the, in the Quran, um, the, those of the Islamic faith. It's really important to really come to understand what the scriptures meant and what they were talking about when it's uh, speaking about Jesus, speaking about the Messiah, speaking about what He came to do, so that you have a, have a point of connection with them because obviously they don't have the, the, the New Testament. They're not, they, they're not going about the New Testament. They've got Isaiah. They, they believe in Isaiah. They believe in His writings. So it's important to, to kind of, when we get into these specific scriptures, to see the message of the cross through these uh, scriptures so we can have that point of contact and actually point them in the right direction from using their own textbook, so to speak. Um, so Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 3 says, Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. What did we say the glory of the Lord is? It's His presence. It's His Spirit. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come. What is the opposite of light? For your light has come, and the glory, the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of God has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and dense darkness all people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, O Jerusalem, and His glory shall be seen on you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. This is awesome. This is all pointing to the fulfillment of Jesus. What He is going to accomplish for us. And today we are not waiting for something. The church oftentimes is waiting for God to do something. There's something that Isaiah is writing about has taken place. Because Jesus died. Jesus was raised. And the Spirit of God was poured out. Upon all flesh that is open, ready to receive. 
And so if you've received, this is a fulfillment of that. The glory of the Lord rising upon you. And yes, there is darkness upon the earth. And this darkness is not people living in sin. This darkness is people being short of something. The problem with the world is not people living in sin, hurting each other, murdering, uh, committing adultery, com uh, committing fraud. That's not the problem with the world. That is a fruit. The root problem is not having the Spirit of God. Be short of that. So guess what? How's that going to change? Prayer is part of it. But too many people just pray. Prayer is good. Prayer is good. We've got a hit list. I've got five names on my phone, on my screensaver that I'm praying for. Prayer is good. But Romans chapter 10 is super important. Go and read Romans chapter 10. We're not going to go there this morning. But Romans chapter 10 specifically and clearly illustrates, as many other verses in the Bible, that someone cannot receive and make this shortness go away, this, this lack go away. No one can receive Unless they hear something. That's why Jesus sent his disciples out. He didn't send them out to go and pray. He sent them out to go and proclaim. Speak forth a specific message. Tell a story of the good news of God. Because when someone hears the good news of what Jesus did... Died, raised, spirit poured out so that I can receive this gift and I no longer are short of something. I'm no longer short of something, but I've been fulfilled in something. I've been made complete by something. Then only can we start bearing the fruit of love, selflessness, joy, etc. 1 John 1 5 says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Darkness is oppression, it's bondage, and it's vast across the earth. But God's people, that's you and me, were created to experience his light because that's his very nature. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Again, there's so many passages of scripture that contradict this thinking that God sometimes causes sickness and maybe someone here needs to hear this because I'm obviously laboring this point a little bit but either God is light or he is not light because this scripture does say that there this is the message we heard from Jesus who did we hear this from Jesus Jesus also said that if you've seen me you've seen the father guess what Jesus never made anyone sick to teach them something so if Jesus 100% and perfectly represented the nature of God, then you cannot say that God does cause sickness if Jesus did not. God is light and there is no darkness in Him at all. This is going to bless you. There, he, he does no oppression. No bondage is part of His nature or His plans for any human being. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, In the past you were full of darkness. Say, in the past. So you have a past. In the past. When is that past? Is that yesterday? Don't answer. Okay, you can answer if you're right. <laughs> um, that past is not talking about yesterday. That past is not talking about... 
everything that you might be thinking of. This past is talking about everything before you receive the Spirit of God. So every person is walking in darkness, walking in lack, in bondage, outside of the Spirit of God having fulfilled and made them complete. In the past you were full of darkness, but now you are full of light in the Lord. Say full of light. Full of light does not say 95% light and 5% darkness. So live like children who belong to light. How are we going to live like children who belong to light? It's when we come to believe that we are children of light. It's when we come to believe that I've been set free. It's when I come to believe that I'm no longer a slave. That we get to experience the freedom that Jesus purchased and made available for us. Then Isaiah 61 says this, 1, 2, 3. I'm not counting 1, 2, and 3. I'm counting 1 up until 3 in the verses. Um, just for clarity there. Uh, Isaiah uh, 61, it says uh, from verse 1. The word of the Lord God is upon me. So again, it's this continuation of, of the fulfillment of Christ. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the physical and spiritual captives, and the opening of prisons and the eyes to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of His favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament or garland of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of heaviness, burdens, and a failing spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness." Lofty, strong, magnificent, distinguished for our brightness, justice and right standing with God. The planting of the Lord that He may be glorified. This again is all talking about what Jesus was going to accomplish. And now get this. If Jesus did this, if Jesus made this a reality for us, too now and this is the beauty of Jesus sending out his disciples this is the beauty of Jesus telling his disciples to go and wait in Jerusalem for the outpouring of the spirit now we too can go heal the sick cleanse the lepers raise the dead cast out devils freely you've received freely give we too get to set the captives free Hence, Jesus saying that you'll do the same works as me and greater works than these. Because he went to the Father and he poured out his spirit to be with us. And throughout this year, we've been hammering on this, 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 this theme of the spirit of God in man. The spirit of God in man. Because this is a reality that we need to come to see. That we are one with God. And Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61 and He's, he's quoting it and, and, and pointing in, in Luke chapter, I think it's Luke chapter, chapter 14. He's quoting Isaiah 61 and he's talking about and he's pointing to himself as the, 
the fulfillment of this, the completion of this. And so what Jesus accomplished or what Jesus did wasn't an imperfect or incomplete work. Oftentimes Christians think that, man, God missed something because we're praying to God as if, as if He didn't do what He said He did. I'm going to say that again. Oftentimes our prayers sound like God did not do what He said He did. None of us here, obviously, all of our friends who didn't come and those people who are, those people. Just want to draw attention to uh, one thing before we move on. The last verse here. The planting of the Lord that He may be glorified. This is awesome. God does the planting. God does the planting. You do not do the planting. You cannot plant yourself into God's family. He plants you in the family. All you need to say, here I am Lord. Yes, Jesus. Then God does the rest. God does the miracle of, of taking our dead spirits. Or, as Ezekiel prophesies, taking a heart of stone and giving a heart of flesh. Dead spirit giving us a live spirit. His spirit poured into us. What is the anointing here we see in Isaiah 61 verse 1? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek. What do you need to preach the gospel and good tidings to the meek? Do you need a Bible degree? Do you need to have sat a certain amount of hours in church? Do you need to read your Bible a certain amount of hours? Do you need to pray a certain amount of hours? No. You only need one thing. The Spirit of the Lord. And if you're a believer, you've received the Spirit of the Lord. You've received these anointing. Anointing is not something additional to what you've got. Anointing is God's Spirit living in you. You are anointed as you're sitting here this morning. You might not feel anointed. You might not have experienced the anointing of God's Spirit. But don't base truth on your experiences. The world is already doing that. The church can't afford to base truth on our experiences. We need to base truth on the Word of God and live by that standard. We're coming to a close. John chapter 8, verse 34 to 36 says from the message, Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life, and is in fact a slave. A slave is a, trans a transient who can't come and go at will. The son, though, has established as an established position, the run of the house. So if the son set you free, you are free through and through. The Amplified says this, So if the son liberates you, makes you free men, then you are really and unquestionably free. You've got an established position. You might not feel free because of something. But that is a lie. We need to come and receive and yield to the truth 
Submit to God, James 4 verse 7. Actively resist the devil so that you can experience that freedom that God is talking about. You've got an established position, the run of the house. Because if the sun sets you free, then you are really and unquestionably free. So if you are experiencing again, if you are experiencing any form of enslavery, any form of imprisonment, does that mean that Jesus didn't do what the Word says He did? No. It just means that you might not understand something, or it means that you might have submitted to something that you weren't supposed to submit to. And we can only be set free by the truth we know, right? Early on in John chapter 8, it talks about that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you can only be set free by the truth you know. So if you come to know something this morning, you can receive that and start to enjoy the freedom that is intended for it to bring. John 19 verse 30, just to kind of seal and put the last nail in the coffin. John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Easter was an, was an awesome uh, uh, celebration again of everything that we're talking about. And, and obviously, what we celebrated at Easter is what we're celebrating today. It's what we're celebrating every day of the year. What we're celebrating on Christmas is what we're celebrating every day of the year. We're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating everything that He came to do. At Christmas, we're not just celebrating the birth of Christ. We're celebrating the birth of Christ in light of what Christ came to do. When Easter, we're not just celebrating Jesus dying. We're not just celebrating Jesus being raised from the dead. We're not just celebrating the, the, the outpouring of the Spirit. We're celebrating it all together. Because it's not just one part. It's the entirety. It's the whole part. We need to understand this, that the Bible has got a specific message. It's a message of Jesus' complete work. And that complete work is His Spirit made available to all men. So that wherever someone is short of something, we can give them Jesus. And they can be fulfilled in Jesus, made complete in Jesus, and start bearing the fruit of Jesus. Which is a life transformed. A life free from sin. Alive, free from any form of oppression. Whether it's mental, whether it's physical. This is God's desire for His sons and daughters. The Word of God is unquestionably true without fault. So if we're not experiencing the freedom that Jesus intended for us, and that Jesus claims to have accomplished for us, we must conclude that our understanding is lacking or we're missing something. It is that simple. Freedom is what God desires for the world. And not this fake kind of freedom that we see and people claim to walk in freedom, but it's just all painted oppression and bondage. No freedom that is in line with the Word of God, in line with our design and our purpose. A freedom that can only come from becoming one with God. His spirits and our spirits intertwined. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.